We're going to kick off um, our series uh, tonight, and it's entitled The Excellence of Love. We're in February, and, um, you know, love is a topic that 365 days a year, uh, I believe that we have to uh, strive to, uh, to be better at and to let God's love be perfected in our lives each and every day. But for this month, uh, we're going to be uh, taking um, an extra special look at the excellence of love. So a lot of great topics uh, coming to you for our midweek services this month. Uh, so tonight, we're going to prepare to get that started. You have your Bibles. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 13, uh, we'll read that uh, in just a moment, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But as we, as we talk about the excellence of love and uh, we think about that concept, you know, when you ask a child something, uh, what's, what's beautiful about children is, is their honesty. Can you say amen? Their honesty, their perspective on things, on the complicated things that, that, that we experience in our lives. If you just ask a child, many times the simplicity uh, brings revelation uh, to our lives as adults. And a couple questions were asked to kids about love. And uh, it gives us a different perspective on love through the eyes of a child. So listen to these couple of questions that they were asked. Kids were asked, what is falling in love like? Now Roger, who is nine years old, here's what Roger said. What is falling in love like? He said, like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. <laughs> Derek, who is eight years old, was asked this question. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? And Derek said this. He says, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> And Dave, who's also eight years old, uh, was asked, why do lovers hold hands? He says, they want to make sure their rings don't fall off because they paid good money for them. <laughs> now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this, as this is our, our series topic for the month. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Praise God. Bow your head with me uh, tonight as, as we agree in prayer. Lord, we come before you, my God. We're so thankful for your grace and mercy in our lives, God. We're thankful for the love, God, that you've bestowed upon us, Lord. We thank you for your calling. We thank you for your mercy, God, for the wonderful work you're doing in our lives, O oh Lord. And Father, we thank you uh, tonight for everything. And, and Lord, this evening we ask, Lord God, that you would teach us. Holy Spirit, that you would bring revelation Lord God, that we would understand what you're trying to tell us. We would understand your word tonight, Father God. Help us to walk out of here different, to love, to learn to love as you have loved us, my God. And to share this love with others around us, Lord God, that we would be a light, that we be lights in this dark world, God. And I pray, Lord, tonight that I would decrease, God, that it would be none of me, but it would be all of you, that you would get the honor and glory. Have your way tonight, Father. We thank you. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say... Amen. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The Bible says, and the greatest of these is love. So tonight as we tackle this topic, the excellence of love, and we look at love in, in God's word, uh, we have to know that it's God's word that we can always go to for truth. God's word is truth each and every day from beginning to end for the, until the end of time. God's word is truth, and it's what we should pattern our lives by. 
Now, there are many things that we look at in this world and that we're influenced by. As you turn on the media, as you listen to different things, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an idea on what love should be, but we should look no further than the word of God. Can you say amen? If we're going to talk about love, if we're going to learn about love, if we're going to learn about what the love of God is, we have to search God's word and find out what he says about love. This month, as we look at the excellence of love, we search God, God's word and we, we look no further than his word to see the prime example, the perfect example of what love is. Because we know what the world says love is, right? We've experienced it, right? Perhaps we've chased after it for many years in the world. However, however much time you spent before Christ just, just chasing the things of the world and the love of the world. We know what their def definition of love is. That love is conditional that you don't really love me unless you could do this for me that that there are conditions uh, with love as we were once walking in the pattern of this world we we see where it got us we see the heartache and the disappointment as we were chasing the things of the world or we were, as we were striving to full, to to fill our hearts with the things of the world with sin with pride with all the things that that take place that the world has all the disappointment we experienced and by God's mercy and by God's grace, we're here tonight. Can you say amen? amen? What a blessed opportunity we have this evening to be here in the presence of God in the house of God. It's God's mercy and grace because we were out there chasing those things. We experienced the heartache, the disappointment, the bondage, the despair that comes with the things of the world. See, everything out there is just counterfeit to what's in God's word. God's word is perfect. The gifts that he gives us, the things that he gives us are, are, are without, without uh, um, uh, hardship or without, you know, regret. It's beautiful. The gifts that he has for us, the things that he has for us. But what the devil does is he paints a picture, a counterfeit picture, and, and causes many people to go out and chase what's in the world only to be disappointed. <clears throat> We've been blessed to experience the beautiful love of God. Tonight we look at his word and we see what love is really about. And we allow and we pray that God's word would transform our minds so that we could have the right and true concept of what, of what godly love is really about. That the word would wash our minds, would, would change our minds. And we'd have the right definition of what love is. So tonight as we dive into his word, as we study, as we learn from him, we're going to learn what love is based on God's word. Now, tonight's message is entitled, What is Love? Now, as we look in the Word of God, there's four different facets of love. If you're going to categorize love, you're going to break it up into four parts. There's, there's four different things. And these words here that I'm going to mention are Greek. These are Greek words. And the first one is, is eros, and that relates to romantic love. And then there's storge love, which is f uh, family love, which is a love that families share in the family, in the family unit. And then there's phileo love, which is brotherly love, the love that you have with your brothers and sisters. And then there's a love tonight that we're going to talk about, we're going to spend time on, and that's the agape love. That's the sacrificial, the unconditional love of God. Don't you thank God for that love tonight? Don't you thank God for his sacrifice, for loving us so much that the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news tonight? That's the agape love. 
He didn't wait until you became perfect. He didn't wait until you and I uh, just cleaned ourselves up until his calling came. No, he, he saw us there in, in, in the gutter and the mire of this world. And his love extended his arm and called us in our condition, in our state. The love of God called us. That's the agape love. We were undeserving of that love. But because of his agape love, his unconditional love as he loves us, he called us. Tonight, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful love. Agape love is God's love for humankind. And it's our love for one another patterned after God's love towards us. It's a fatherly love of God for humans as well as the human reciprocal love for God. It's the kind of love and action that shows empathy. Extends the desire for good of the beloved. It wants the best for others. It extends help or demonstrates good intentions. And it's intended for everyone. And as we talk about this agape love, we have to first understand that this love is from above. It's from God. Now, 1 John 4, 8, the Bible says, But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God is love. The highest, most pure form of love as a choice, not out of attraction or obligation. And we see this, this love as Jesus endured the cross for you and I. Jesus was seeing you and I in our state, in our sin, needing a perfect sacrifice to die for you and I so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we would not die in our sins. Jesus saw that. He carried the cross for you and I. See, remember, he was perfect. He didn't have to go to the cross. He was without sin. He came to fulfill the law as a perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. But why did he go to the cross? It was his agape love for you and I. He endured the cross for you and I. It's his sacrificial love that unites and that heals and this world is crying out for this love. They may not say it in words. They may not say it outright to you. But you could see that the world is searching each and every day. Your loved ones, your family, your friends are out there. They're searching, searching, searching in this world for fulfillment. Why? Because they don't know it. They really want desire the agape love of God. That's why you and I have to constantly be a testimony and a witness for them. To let them know your story and how God changed your life, how he touched your life. That you were out there searching as well, but you found the answer. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus Christ. They're crying out for it. They're searching. They're in despair. They're down and out. And they paint it with a picture of a good time and out searching for these things. But you don't see what's going on behind the walls in those quiet times that they have. They're constantly searching. And it's the agape love of God that they're searching for. This love is true. This love is pure. And as we look in God's word for his truth, we understand that we can go to God's word and learn what it, God's love means. Now listen to Romans 5, 5 says. The Bible says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
If you're a child of God, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit. And because you have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So you have God's love. You may say, I, I didn't grow up this way. I'm not the kind of person that, that is just going to share this love with other people. I'm, I'm sticking to myself. I'm just going to do my own thing. But that's not God's design for that love. It's designed to be shared with others. Thank you, Jesus. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's God's love. It's a reason why we're saved tonight. It's a reason why he's merciful to us. It's a reason why he's long-suffering. It's a reason why he hasn't yet come back. Because he's giving others a chance to be saved just like you and I. Can you say amen? There's a lot of work left to do. It's God's mercy and it's God's grace and long-suffering and patience, which is a reason why he hasn't come back yet because he's wanting more people to experience his love and to get into heaven. This message is not just for us here in the, the, these four walls. It's for this world that needs to hear it. We have to take that message to others. And with this love, as we learn in God's word, one, we're recipients of this love. We have to walk in this love, right? We have to let it affect our lives. And secondly, the other thing that it does is it causes us to, to love others. See, it's a powerful thing to understand that you're loved by God. If you understand this truth, you understand how much he loves you, how much he desires for you. There's peace and there's comfort in that. You can be going through the worst day of your life, all these different experiences and these things that come our way. But if we understand that God loves us so much that he desires such good things for us, we can endure a lot more. Can you say amen? But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we look at the situation, we look at the trials and the circumstances, but we have to look at God's word and be reminded that he loves us. Yes, he loves us each and every day. And if we understand that each and every day, we'll be able to endure the hardship and the trials. Why? Because we understand that God loves us, that nothing that I'm going through is by accident. But God's doing something great. And secondly, this love, I'm able to share it with others. When you understand how much God loves you, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful force in your life. Think of the comfort that your children feel or they should feel in your home. As parents, we're managers, right, of our, our, our children. God's entrusted them to us. We take care of them. We nurture them. We teach them. We spend time with them. We, we, we teach them the things of God. We teach them the right way to grow up. We provide for them. We get up and go to work so that they can have food on their table. If they're feeling scared, we protect them. And because of this love that, that our, our children feel from us, they feel safe, right? They could come home. They had a hard day, but they could come, come home and rest because mom, they know mommy and daddy care for them and love them. They may have worries about different things, but they understand they don't have to worry about food. Why? Because mom and dad is going to take care of it. They don't have to worry about clothes. Why? Because they understand that mommy and daddy are going are to get them clothes. There's a comfort and there's a peace. And in the same way with you and I, as we understand the love of God, we can rest in his house. We can rest in his loving arms. It's powerful when we understand how much God loves us. We can feel safe and we can rest in that love. We're given the example of how to love unconditionally, to have a concern and a heart for those around you and I. So we understand the love of God, that it comes from above. 
that we can love because Christ first loved us. Our Heavenly Father first loved us. We can learn what it is to love because we see how he loved us, right? He's patient with you and I. Can you say amen? At your first trip up or mess up, your, your, your first trespass, he didn't just cast you out. Isn't that right? What does the Bible say? He, he, he has long suffering. He's patient with us. What does he say? He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, come, I will make them as white as snow. What does the Bible also say? That God's married to the backslider. All these things, the love of God is always working with us. He's patient with us. That's the, the very reason why we're still here tonight. Why we have breath in our lungs still. He's given us time to, 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 to get it right and to use our lives so that others can be changed as well. That's the love of God that comes from above. And as we understand that the love of God comes from above, that God is love, it'll help teach us to love others. And that's where I want to spend some time tonight. Because it's no mystery that God loves you and I. We see it all the time. But the other part of this is that you and I have to constantly learn to love others. Now, there are people in your lives that are easy to love, right? But there are those in your lives that are a little bit more difficult to love. Can you say amen? It takes a little bit more effort. Can you say amen, right? Man, those coworkers that you have, you have one or two, a couple of coworkers, that, man, they just, they just te test you each and every day, right? But God tells us to love them, the lo our love for others. This agape love is unconcerned with self and is concerned with the greatest good of others. It's a selfless love that seeks to better others and to serve. It's a selfless love. It's not about what's going to make me feel better. What can promote me. What can make me look better. But this love, this agape love, is meant to help serve others to see what I can do to help make their day a little bit better maybe they're going through a hard day maybe something that's difficult happened to them today or transpired what encouraging word can I give them and yes I may have had a tough day myself I may be going through trials and these things may be really tough in my life but this agape love that that God has given me I'm able to share it and it's not about me anymore but it's about the other person and brother and sister if we could get this concept each and every one of us, this world will be a better place. It'll be a better place as we learn to serve. We, let, we allow this love to, to, to drive us to serve one another, to have that attitude of service and help to our brothers and sisters, to our family, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our neighbors. It's a selfless love that seeks to better others and to serve. And in all these things that we're talking about, we look at Jesus Christ. What he came to do, how he sacrificed for you and I, what he gave up. He gave up the riches of heaven to come on earth and to die. A sinner's death when he wasn't even a sinner. What, it, what caused him to do it? It was the love of God. It was the love in his heart. Genesis chapter 13. Listen to this story here. This is a story of Abraham and his nephew Lot. And let me paint the picture here because... The whole passage, the whole chapter is, is, is powerful, but for the sake of time, I just want to summarize it for a moment. God was blessing Abraham, and God was also blessing his nephew Lot, and they were in the land there, and, and the, the Bible says that their herds began to multiply. 
And their people and their workers and their families began to multiply. And soon the country uh, became too tight for the both of them. And there was starting to be some friction and toil and, and trials uh, between uh, Abraham's people and, and herds and everything and, and lots. So there came a moment where Abraham had to just make a decision. And here we get in this, this situation, in this passage, we see what Abraham said uh, to his nephew Lot. Now listen, this is his nephew, okay? So you have Uncle Abraham and you have his nephew Lot. Genesis 13, verse 8, the Bible says this. It says, finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. In relationships, there's going to be conflict. Can you say amen? Always going to be conflict sometime or another. So let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. So Abraham's talking again. He's talking to his nephew, okay? And he's telling his nephew Lot this. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you want the land on the right, then I'll go left. So here we see the character of Abraham, that he desired peace, that he was a peacemaker and he desired to live in harmony with his nephew Lot. And we also see that he had a servant's heart, that he was giving Lot the, the, the respect and the, the opportunity to make a choice because Abraham could have just said, hey, I'm your uncle, respect me, and I'm going to make the first choice and this is what you're going to do. You're going to take the leftovers. Right? And the family structure and heart, you would think that the uncle and the nephew, okay, so, so but he comes with humility. Now listen in verse 10. So he told Lot this, right? And in verse 10, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan, the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So in verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Lot, I think Lot was probably the type of person, right, if, if, if he was there at dinner and there was maybe two pieces of chicken left in the basket and the other person said, hey, Lot, there's two pieces, you take your first pick, he probably would have took the biggest piece of chicken and left the smallest one or the smallest piece of bread for the other person, right? He saw what was best, what looked appealing to the eyes, and he put himself first. Rather than saying, saying, Abraham, you're my uncle, uh, why don't you go ahead and select, and I want to live at peace with you, so, so out of respect, why don't you go ahead and make the, the choice, and I'll take, I'll take what's, whatever's left. But he didn't do that. He looked out what physically to the eyes looked better, and he chose that for himself. See, as we look at this story here, we, we understand what the agape love is. We understand that Abraham desired peace, and he desired uh, to the, the betterment of Lot, and he gave him that choice. It was a selfless love. But Lot, on the other hand, chose based on what was better for him. And we know as the story goes on, Lot came into a lot of trials because he was there at Sodom and Gomorrah, and things didn't go well uh, for him. And God blessed Abraham. So this is how it is. This is one example of, of how love can be demonstrated in our lives. See, Abraham said, because of this love, it's not all about me. I desire peace. I desire to be godly in my decisions. So I'm going to go ahead and serve you, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the first choice. And whatever you want, I'll take the other part of the land. 
such a good example for you and I. We're talking about agape love tonight. Now the question is, brother and sister, are you exercising that love? Or do you seek what's best for you, what feels good to you? It's not the kind of, God, the kind of love that God called us to. He called us to serve. Are we exercising that love? See, that's the will of God for you and I. So many pray, God, what is the will of God for my life? And it's a good prayer. We should, we should ask God for that. God, what do you, how do you want to use me today? But, but can I give you a biblical uh, answer to that question? Tomorrow when you get up in the morning and you ask that question, God, what can I do for you? Love your neighbor. That's the will of God. Love your coworker. Be an example to them. Serve someone else. Be a light in this dark world. Let that love of God just, just, just pour out of you and, and impact the world through the love of God. That's the will of God in our lives. And in doing that, I'll tell you what, people, souls are going to be one. People are going to be attracted to that. They're going to be attracted to the love of God, and it's going to draw them in. Do we put others before ourselves? Or are we living selfishly? Our words... Are they watered with love and encouragement and strength and motivation and challenge and truth? Yes, all those things. But are, are they watered with the love of God or are they something else? It's because of his love that we're in his presence today. It's because of his love that we woke up this morning. It's because of his goodness that we have our needs met today, that we got to eat food today, that we have a, a roof uh, over our head, somewhere to go uh, when the rain's coming down, somewhere to go and, to, and take shelter. Uh, thank you, Jesus. It's all because of God's love. He met all of our needs, didn't he? He met our needs. He provides for us. He takes care of us. It's his love. We have clothes on our back, food on the table, a roof over our head. He loves us. He's met, he's met all of our needs. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look in verse 1. I want to share a, a passage here as we look at the truth of loving others. 1 Corinthians 13, thir uh, 13 and verse 1. And this entire chapter is powerful. It talks about love. But something jumped out as I was, I was stu studying this, and I wanted to point it out to you, and I want to share it with you as well. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. The Bible says this. He says, if I could speak with all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So you get that, okay? He says, but didn't love others, all right? Now look at verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I can move mountains, but didn't love others. I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. He's not saying, but if I don't love God, I would have gained nothing. It says, but if I didn't love others. So if you have all the gifts of heaven in your heart and, and you're, you're, you're prophesying and you're doing all these great signs and wonders, all these things, whatever, whatever gifts we're talking about, but you don't love others. 
you, me, we're just a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. It even goes on to say, I would be nothing. I would have gained nothing. See, that's the truth. That's the power that God places on love and the importance that he places on love for you and I. We have to love others. It requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. Many times we want all the gifts that God has for us that relate to power, to authority, to signs and wonders, to be in the limelight, to be seen by, by, by many people. But what about love? Maybe that should be our prayer this evening, this year, this month, this year. God, help me to love others as you, as you, as, as you have loved me. Help me to love my neighbor, God, my coworker, the one that's difficult to love, the one that no one likes. Lord, help me to love them. Help me to, to demonstrate your love to them, God, so that they can also be won over into your kingdom. Yes, even the people that have offended you and I, God, help me to love them. Help me to pray for them. Help me to wish the best for them. What about love? Romans 8, 35, the Bible says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? It asks that question. Does it mean that, no long, uh, that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or are in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, in verse 37, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That's good news tonight. Can you say amen? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The next time you and I see a backslider come back to church, the next time you and I see a prodigal come back and step through these doors, the next time you and I see a visitor, someone new come through these doors, let this, let this passage come, become real to our lives and understand that, that God is calling them, that they're not here by accident. And you and I, with love, should welcome them into the kingdom. Do we understand what happened with the prodigal son? Do we understand what the father did, what his response was? He could have picked any amount of responses for his son. Where have you been? Why did you just, just squander your inheritance, the things that I've worked so hard for for all my life? I gave it to you and you squandered it. Why did you do that? Why did you fail? Why were you weak? The father could have said any amount of things to him, right? But what did he say? What did he do? He demonstrated that love while his son was, was far off and he was coming home. He ran to him, the father. And again, we're talking about hierarchy and family, right? The son should have came and begged the father and he could have stood there with his robe and, and in all power and authority. No, but what happened? We have a beautiful demonstration of the love of God here. He ran to meet his son. He welcomed him home. He said, let's have a party. Let's kill the fatted calf. My son was gone, but now he's home. He was once dead. Now he's back. 
That's the picture, the beautiful picture of, of God's love towards you and I. And that's the picture that we should have. That's the, the attitude we should have to those that come back into the kingdom of God. There should be rejoicing. There should be welcoming. There should be esteem there. Man, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God for what he's doing. Welcoming. Because I tell you what, when people walk through those doors, they got the weight of the world on their shoulders. Man, all the powers of hell are trying to hold them back. It's life and death. They're, they're maybe getting in here by the skin of their teeth, but they've made a decision to come in. And how do you and I receive them? It should be with a smile. It should be with love. It should be with support. The same way God does it for us, right? We've tripped. We've messed up. We've made bad decisions. What does God do for us? He treats us as his children. He gives us the truth, but with the hope that, yes, you can change, that I'm here for you, that I'm going to bring the change, I'm going to help you, my son, my daughter. We have to love one another. John 15, 12, the Bible says, this is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. This is what Jesus is telling us. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Listen in verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Love one another. We have to love God, yes, but love one another. That's where it's really manifested. The love of God is really manifested in our lives if we're able to love one another. As we prepare to wind this down, perfect love casts out fear. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, I want to read a few verses there. 1 John 4, verse 11, the Bible says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Again, plain as day, this is God's word for you, and I love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, let's jump down to verse 16. God is love, and all who live in him love God, and God lives in them. As we have, um, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all, all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experienced in his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God, whom we can't see. And he has given us his command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Perfect love casts out fear. When you understand God's love for you, you can come into his presence boldly. When you understand the, the love of God and that how he paid the price for you and how you've accepted his son, you don't have to be in fear of hellfire and punishment. You have, can now look forward to heaven 
and spend an eternity with God. See, sometimes we listen to the lies of the enemy and we listen to everything. He reminds us of everything that we've done in the past and we begin to grow fearful. But we have to look at this passage here in faith as we've accepted his love and we've asked for his forgiveness. Now we can look forward to heaven. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear standing in front of God. Because why? Because Jesus has forgiven us. That love has been perfected. And you know when it's perfected? It doesn't stop there. When we're able to love one another. That's how we know it's perfected. Because we understand that God loved us. Loved us. We, we, we receive it. We live in it. We walk in it. That's beautiful. But when that love affects how we love others, love is made perfect. It's like this. It's like if, if with my children, if I, if I bless them with everything that I can, and maybe, maybe I take them out, and, and I take them out maybe with a group of their friends, and I'm paying for everything, and I'm giving them everything, right? They're, they're receiving those gifts and that goodness. They're receiving all the, give, the gifts from, from their father. And with pleasure, I do it because I enjoy seeing them happy, and, it, and I take pleasure in doing that. But their appreciation to me would be good. But if it stopped there, it wouldn't be the best. You know when it would be the best? It would be when, when, that, when my son or my daughter begins to share the things that I've given them to share with others around them. Then I can look at my son, I can look at my daughter, and I can understand, man, now it's been perfected. Now, because you're not just keeping it for yourself. You're so grateful. You have so much gratitude for what I give you. You share it with other people. You share it with others. And that's the love of God for you and I. We're recipients of this great love. We're recipients of, 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 we're heirs of the kingdom. But we don't hoard it for ourselves. We share it with others. God, I'm going through a tough situation in this relationship or with my coworker. God, help me to share your love because you've been so good to me. I can now share this love with the, with the world around me. And as we do that, I'll tell you what, church, as the worship team makes their way up, the world will be one through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're being responsible and we're being sharing with that love, the agape love that he's given us. God's going to move powerfully, but we have to share that love. This love that we have, that we receive from God and that we share with others, it eliminates all dread of what God may do to us. If we're afraid, it's for fear that what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loved us. That's what it means when it says perfect love casts out fear. Our love has to be perfected. God has not called us to live in fear. He's called us to love just as he has loved. So this month, we'll be looking at the excellence of love. And we begin today with looking at the topic of godly love and agape love and that love that comes from above. And how that love affects our relationships with one another and with those around us. And lastly, we can understand that perfect love casts out fear. Are you in a tough place this evening in, in a relationship in your life perhaps? Maybe you're, there's a relationship in your life and, and you're on the rocks and it's, it's tough. If we could look at God's word and we could understand how he loved us he's merciful to us, how he's long-suffering, how he gives us chance after chance after chance. You and I know, right? We hit the altar. What do we, God, forgive me for today. Forgive me for what I said, for what I thought, for what I did. 
But what happens? We ask for that forgiveness. We're able to step away from the altar and we're able to leave our regrets and our burdens here. And they're washed by the blood of Jesus and we're able to go out and to give it another try, to make it right. That's the beautiful mercy of God. And in the same way, as God is forgiving to you and I, forgive that person that hurt you. That person that looked at you sideways, that person that made that snark comment, that person that offended you. Forgive them as God has forgiven you. Because in doing that, we're set free. We're no longer living in bitterness. And I'll tell you what, that's a horrible place to live. To live in bitterness. There's no joy. But when you and I can let things go, we let the perfect love of God work in our hearts, we're able to love others and forgive and move on. God is able to do something powerful in our lives and we're able to be the light in this dark world and many will be drawn to him. So let the love of God work in our lives. Let it be perfected in our lives. One, we receive his love, but share it with the world. Let it affect the way that we love our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's give God praise in this place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, this evening for your word, God. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace, God. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, my God. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us tonight, oh God. And we thank you, Father, for your love and for your mercy and for your grace, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.